This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And yo, what's going on, everyone? What's going on with you? Oh, you know, I I am not a person who routinely says things like this, but I need a vacation. I am so tired. This year has wrecked me. Yeah. In every possible way. And I absolutely need a fucking vacation. Well, the holidays are coming up. And I know, but... Are you going to have any time off or anything? Or Yeah, I'll have some time off, but um, it's hard to... It's, I hate traveling at the holidays. Like, it's, only, it's the only thing I want to do is, like, when it's a family holiday, my instinct is get the fuck out of town. Yeah. And it's pro- possibly because I spent so many years, you know not doing holidays with my family. Like, I did holidays with them for the first 18 years, and then I left. And I'm like, I'm too poor to come home, and I can't do Christmas. And then when I was married, we did holidays with his family a lot, because they got along. Uh, (laughs) And I liked them. And, um, yeah, I just feel like I'm used to being pretty alone on the holidays, so I'd rather travel. But then all you other motherfuckers are in the airport going to see your dumb families. (laughs) True. flights are delayed, and it's fucking chaos. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to but it's hard to think about getting away but I do need a vacation and I think even if I can't leave for like the Christmas holiday break I might go after Christmas on a week vacation. Yeah. Um I have a friend who lives in London and she's looking for a house sitter cuz she and her family are going away so I might go to London and then yeah. travel from there and just kind of take some time off. But it's also, it's hard because I'm like, I love traveling to cities when I go on vacation. Like, it's one of my favorite things to do is just go to a new city and explore and just hang out and, you know, not over plan and just kind of exist in a different space for a week. It's my favorite thing to do. But more and more lately, I'm considering the beauty of the kind of warm weather vacation, like beachy vacation. I've had a oh, couple of friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never really done it. And I've, I usually, when I have time off and I go somewhere, I'll go to a city. Um, yeah. But I've had a couple of friends in the last couple of months, like one who went to Mexico for her birthday and another another friend did something really cool. And it just all, it has me considering, like, maybe the warm weather vacation is not a bad idea. And my friend who did something cool, um, she... Went on a Mediterranean cruise. Her one of her oldest college friends won a cruise on like I guess J Lo had some kind of promotion going. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and so they ent- he entered and actually fucking won. 
<laughs> wow, that is he wild. Actually, and she wasn't like on the cruise or anything, but he actually fucking won. And so they went on a, and he brought her and they went on a Mediterranean cruise together, like yeah. around Barcelona and Madrid and like all these places. Yep. And the cool thing is it was a virgin cruise, like virgin cruise lines. Yes, virgin. There are yeah. no fucking kids allowed. Yep. And I've never been on a cruise, but that sounds fucking tight. And she's like, you're forced to relax because the Wi-Fi sucks. Like, you have to chill. You've got everything you need. And it has me kind of considering not just a warm weather vacation, but the beauty of a cruise, which I never thought I would do. Yeah. Oh, dude, I've been on several. <laughs> and I, well, I, you I just I, got back from one. <laughs> I, I, I literally just got back from one. I'm going to be on record. I think cruises are fucking fun as shit. I, you have to surrender to the vibe. That is the absolute key. If right. you go on a cruise and you want it to be like your apartment in Brooklyn type of thing where you're like, well, I want to get my you know single origin coffee and I want to go to a bookstore and I want to be around intellectuals and be moody, you don't, don't go on a cruise. <laughs> like, you have to... <laughs> Get into the mindset of being in an all-inclusive environment because that's really, I think, y y what it sounds like you want, which is what I want, weirdly enough, now in my yeah. old age, is I love this all-inclusive experience, vacation experience, like a resort. Yeah, like it sounds tight because put it this way, we are people who take care of everyone around us. No one takes care of us ever. Uh-huh. No one is ever, ever taking care of me and saying like, hey, I'll make you dinner or hey, like I'll, you know, no one caters to my needs except for me. Yep. So it sounds fucking dope to be in a place where someone is like, hey, we got you. You can just chill. Like, I don't know what that feels like because I'm always taking care of other people. Yes. See, I, I feel the exact same way because I love traveling. Uh, I love going to cities that I've never been to and places I've never been. But guess who is the one that always makes the arrangements? I'm I'm out yep. there renting the cars, booking the Airbnbs, like coming mm -hmm. up with the things to do. And it's just my personality. I have an older sister personality. I just I I I just am all about that organization. I'm also not the type of person that like doesn't know where they're staying. That because that I feel like. I think my type A personality when it came to booking vacations with me and my friends came from the fact that I was always traveling with people who, like, didn't care enough to, like, finesse the details. That they were right. just like, oh, let's just, like, figure out a hotel when we get there. Bitch, what? What? No. Never. I need to know How where I'm sleeping. How does that even work? Oh, complete. How does that even fucking work? What? See, this is the other thing. Like, these are people, I have, my trust issues would never allow it. Yes. <laughs> I, I have trust issues and trauma, and I'm like, I got to know what's happening in my day. I'm so yes. sorry. Like, at least where I'm sleeping. I, I, I have freedom. Like, I have, you know, I can get free. Let's put it that way. And relax. And like I said, yeah. go to a city and just chill and kind of, I don't need a day-to-day -day itinerary. But yeah. I got to know where I'm fucking sleeping, and I have to know how I'm getting there. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, when I was in my 20s, I went on a lot of road trips. I... I you know, bought a lot of like standby flights to New York and San Francisco and all these places where it wasn't exactly clear where we were going to stay. And I think that it was just because people didn't have any money and they they didn't want to plan things out. And so it would be the kind of thing where we'd be like, well, let's just drive to 
Memphis, and then when we get to town, we'll just figure out a place to eat and figure out a place to stay. And I was always like, uh, I don't like this. I feel very uncomfortable by this. And then the weirdest part would always be that by doing that, you just pay more. So if yes. you walk up to a hotel or a motel or whatever, let's get serious. It was always like a Ramada or like, you know, it wasn't like a five-star hotel <laughs> <days> or anything. <laughs> or worse. Or I've stayed in some very oh, questionable yeah. places. But um, it ends up being more expensive when you do it that way. Or like the yeah. other thing, which is that like, let's just see if my friend is around and we'll just crash at their house. And I'm like, no. Never, I can't ever. with that shit. And also like, I always get the shit end of the stick when it comes to those arrangements. So it's like, if we're just going to go and wait and see and figure it out when we get there, I'm sleeping on the floor always. Like, I'm yeah. always the one who's like, well, you're by yourself and you don't take a lot, take up a lot of space. So you get the shittiest bed, the shittiest couch, the yeah. shittiest situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and because because of that, I just want control. And so I, I end up booking a lot of vacations for me and my friends because, it's, like I said, I just have that have that in me. So you're absolutely right. And the other thing that I'm bad about too is that I, I, I'm i with you. I want a vacation that is not tied to work or yes. family obligations because those aren't vacations. Ever. Yes. Yes. And when I, when I first went on one for the first time, I was a total snob. Like I was like, Ugh, God, like, it's so corny. It's like a floating, you know, adult daycare center. And it's <laughs> the food is going to be terrible. And it's so cheesy. And I hate sunshine. And I, I only read Charles Bukowski books and leave me alone oh or whatever. God. I mean, I was just like, I have such a grump about it. But then, I don't know, you get on the boat and then you're like, like you said, forced to relax. Water is very peaceful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the weather is fucking great and i just was like yo this is pretty sweet and it's it is all inclusive because you're right you don't have to fucking plan a thing i mean if you want to go on like an excursion like if you want to get off the boat in port and go see some ruins or whatever you can do that but it's a guided tour you're not left to your own devices uh you wake up you don't have to plan the tour (laughs) you don't have to plan a tour you basically get on the boat. There's scheduled activities. You can go to them or not. You can go to a spa. You can go to a gym. You can go get food anytime you want to. You can have a fancy dinner. You can have a shitball dinner. I'm definitely curious, especially after my... my and this is a friend who I, I also never thought would go on a cruise, and she loved it. And we're both the same age and same situation. And I think that... There's a lot about it that is very curious for me. I put it this way. I like the idea at this point in my life of a vacation that truly allows me to relax. And I think a warm weather vacation is a good way to do that. I'm dubious about cruises still for a couple of main reasons. One Mm. is I'm definitely fearful of giving money to or being part of a company that exploits people. Um, especially, like, if you're going to, like, foreign countries and landing at different ports and, like, the whole economy system is fucked up by the cruise culture. And, like, I'm very wary of that. But I also, I feel like cruises are just, like, floating disease makers. Like, mm. fucking Legionnaire's disease. And that I don't know if you ever watched that that HBO documentary, The Last Trip, when COVID hit and it fucking wiped out that cruise shit. Mm. <laughs> And I'm like, do I want to be confined with people on a boat? Where, like, it's it's the weird dichotomy of 
I would love to be in a place where I'm forced to relax and I can't go anywhere, but I'm completely freaked out by the fact that I would not be able to go anywhere. (laughs) I mean, that's, that is a fear. You know, like, you got to go on a nice boat, I think. That's the key. Don't go on a shitball cruise. Go on like a nicer, you know, pay a little extra. Go on a Viking river cruise. Are you fucking joking? Like, those things look so fucking sweet. If Viking River Cruises wanted to sponsor this podcast, I would do so many fucking ads for them. I don't even care. <laughs> like, as, as long as I could get a crack on getting on that boat. I mean, they advertise on Downton Abbey. That's why, that's oh, why I first, yeah. you know, figured them out. And yes. Yeah, I've gotten, like, I've sent away for brochures for their cruises, and I get them in the mail, and it's like a fucking playgirl. I'm just like, yes. This this catalog is here. I'm going to spend the entire evening looking at it. And it's like, oh, here's like a fucking oh beautiful cruise around the southern tip of South America. And you get to go, you know, to all these like different locations. And the food is amazing. The rooms look amazing. Every, every room on a Viking boat has apparently like a, gl- a sliding glass door where you can go out onto your balcony and... Oh, Look damn. at the fucking beautiful scenery. I'm like, they're very expensive. I mean, that's the caveat is that you're like, oh, this costs, like, this is a car. I'm paying for, I'm buying a car. Right. You know, but I honestly think if you're retired and you're just fucking chilling out and you got cash to go on cruises, fucking do a cruise. You don't have to think. And that's the, that's the appeal. You know, there are, that's the appeal. But there are drawbacks to literally every mode of travel. I mean, you could go yeah, book your own trip to France and get robbed on the first day, or you could go on a cruise and get fucking diarrhea on the first day. I don't know. It's very, <laughs> you know. And those are the choices. Those are the primary choices of travel, robbed just, or diarrhea. I'm just saying, as, an, as I'm getting older, I think that the idea of me going to, like, either an all-inclusive resort or a cruise mm-hmm. is not as corny as I yeah. always thought it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's it's important to note that, that it's like because of where we are in life, these are things that become more enticing. Like the the cruise that my friend took, um, she's like, not only are there, there are no children allowed, like yeah. they're not even allowed. So there will never be a child on the boat. Um but also, I guess there are on different cruises, like you can buy drinks packages and shit like that. And you couldn't, I guess on Virgin, you can't buy drinks packages. So you have to pay for each drink you have, which cuts mm-hmm. down on the like frat boy quality of it. Because every commercial I see for a cruise, I'm like, this is a fucking frat party on the sea. Like, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be in a fucking wave pool with someone who just shit their pants or puked or like, you know, then they're trying to take care of their kids and they're drunk and sunburnt and like, that does not look appealing to me. Like, so sorry. But the idea of like, you can't get wasted just because you paid for it three months ago is very appealing to me. Yeah, I think, listen, I think that, I like I said, I've gone on cruises for work. I've gone on cruises for pleasure. I actually went on a Mediterranean cruise with my mom and dad a few years ago. And it was actually pretty sweet. We like, we basically went to like, I mean, it it was the port was in Rome, and we went to like Palma Mallorca. I went to fucking Monaco. What when would I ever Damn. go to Monaco? I'd be like, 
It's just not a place where I thought, oh, I'm just going to spend a, spend a week in Monaco. I was like, damn, I'm in Monaco. I'm in, I went to Barcelona. It was great. And well, not since you, you stopped professionally gambling. I mean, <laughs> once you put down those poker chips, there's no reason to go to Monaco. Listen, uh, ever since I, I hung up my race car um, boots, <laughs> I don't go to Monte Carlo anymore. And um, Also, also, I got to say, it's possible you're on board with this cruise idea because you have never seen Titanic. <laughs> Once you watch Titanic, it is it is all I can think about even every time I even consider a cruise. I'm like, mm, Titanic happened. And oh. that shit was tight. Like they had fucking like they were the rooms on that ship were the equivalent of like a hundred thousand dollars today. Like that ship was laid out and then they had steerage and they had everyone working underneath and like toilet in the decks. And when that ship went down, everybody went. The rich, the poor, the like the workers, like the travelers, everybody fucking went. Yeah. I will say that okay, so I've never seen Titanic, but um I will say this, like when you're actually on the boat, the boat is so like inconceivably big that it does feel like you're in a mall. Like, and in a weird way, you're like, oh, what if this entire mall just like sank into the ground, I guess? I mean, that's maybe the feeling is that if like you're in a mall, you don't think, oh, I'm this, it's going to fall into the earth. There's a sinkhole that's going to suck in this entire mall down or whatever. Right. So I don't know. Being on the ship, I thought I was going to freak out about that, but it was really, like, more just, like, it feels, like, very substantial, like you're in a building. So there's a little less fear, at least for me. But I will say, I did did see the movie Triangle of Sadness before I (laughs) went on this cruise this time, the one I just went on, which was not the move. It is not the movie you want to see before a cruise. So... I'm just saying. (laughs) For other reasons, but you know. Holy shit. No, I I feel it. But I do feel like fundamentally, it's also, I'm I'm noticing that the, the bigger conversation here for me too is that like as I, what's different for me as I get older? And I'll try anything once, but I also, I think that there's a real desire. I have a real desire to to truly relax. And I can't really get that at home. And when I travel on my own, usually I plan so much ahead of time that by the time I get there, it's like, it takes a few days for me to relax. And then I go home the next day. (laughs) Cause it's like, I just want to make sure my hotel is tight. I just want to make sure everything's okay. Like, I just want to make sure this Airbnb isn't going to fuck me over and get me, give me keys all over the place. But I definitely, I'm, I have to, there are a lot of mental leaps I have to make to get to a point of relaxation because I've shifted class in my life. So yes. I still very much have poverty brain and I'm still very aware of the fact that I used to be the person working in, you know, the service industry and it's really weird to not to be taken care of. I think that's a that's a bigger shift for me. And that's something that I talk about in therapy all the time. Don't worry. Um, mm. But I'm not used to being taken care of. And I have a real problem with it because I, yep. all I see is, you know, myself in those roles and kind of feeling like, well, people treated me like shit. And it was really hard to 
get by and I wasn't making enough money to live. And it's like, you know, so that's kind of always on my mind, not just with cruises, but with anything. Anytime I go anywhere, I'm just very aware of my surroundings and the people who are working to give me a chance to relax. And I feel like it's, you know, it's not always, I'm not a dick. I'm actually really overwhelmingly nice when I travel for that reason. Um, my therapist laughs at me because she's like, she asked me, she's like, do you, do you make your own bed when you're at a hotel? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> like, mm. yeah, like I keep it pretty tight and I, you know, clean up around the sink and I, she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, but, you know, every once in a while, every couple of days, I will let them clean the room and I leave a tremendous tip because <laughs> I do not like the fact that somebody has to come in and clean up after me. Yeah, I mean, listen, you just said a mouthful. I mean, it's like, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I I think about just how many Filipinos are in the hospitality industry. Yeah. There are members of my family that work in hotels and on cruise ships. And, you know, it, it's it's hard for me, too, to think about. And that's that's the kind of, like... That's the thing that is hard for people like us who are very conscious of 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 other people and care about other people. Yeah. In order to really relax and be pampered, to be the like pampy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like ah, there's a pamperer the and you know, it's usually been you. Yeah. But now when it's your turn, how does that exploit someone and is that the right thing to do but it's i don't know i mean i don't know how to answer that question for you obviously um for me trust me neither does my therapist because she's like bitch just go take care of yourself get taken care of and i'm like we have so much more work to do on this donna like a lot and even in my day-to-day life like this is something that doesn't just extend the vacation but like in my day-to-day life i've had to learn how to ask for help and i've had to learn how to you know just really open myself up to the concept that I'm worthy of any kind of care. And I think that's what is all, I mean, it's it's fucked up that like we go from talking about this fun cruise and here I am bringing it to this low moment. But I think that it's just something that's always part of my process when I decide to go somewhere. Like I never was able to, if I didn't go on a vacation when I was a kid, like I didn't have family vacations or anything like that. I couldn't afford to go anywhere as an adult for a very long time. And when I did, I traveled in the most dirtbag way, dirtbag way possible. Like I would, you know, hop in my car and stay at those motels and feel unsafe and like be constantly stressed out. But I kind of had to, just in my life in general, meet myself where I am at every moment and Right now, I'm in a moment where I feel like, okay, things have happened. I've worked very hard. I've made things happen in my life in a way that I never imagined. And now I have a little bit more freedom and flexibility, but I still don't know how to relax. (laughs) So I can't enjoy anything I've worked for until I figure out how to fucking relax. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's just something that you'll, it's just going to be something you work on, you know? I have to remember that. I deserve care, you know, and I'm I'm worth it. In order for me to be the best that I can be at all of these things that I do, I have to take care of myself. And, you know, I'm very, like, I never, that never occurred to me as a young person. I just thought you grind and you just, like, are miserable. And then hopefully you have a lot of money one day. Now I'm like, no, it's not about that. It's about, like, you know, taking time for yourself and, like, you know, 
figuring out a way to you know decompress and maybe you know the whole all-inclusive resort like pampering spa cruise life right is one thing but maybe it's that you literally just go book a fucking nice house in the woods alone and just fucking chill like you don't have to have other people like waiting on you hand and foot necessarily but it's just you know a way for you to not have to make decisions every five seconds you yeah, because guess what? I live that in that house already. Like, that is <laughs> my day-to-day fucking experience. I'm alone in a house in the woods. But, like you said, the shift being, if I do that in a place that I don't have to look around and be like, oh, fuck, I got to replace the tile, then it's a little bit easier for me to just be, to just be in a place is what I'm striving for. And I think that cruises are appealing to me, and I'll try anything once. Yeah. And my friend had such a great, experience and she and I are so similar and never thought we'd be on a cruise and her her friend that she went with actually is a performer at Disney and like you know he's part of that like he usually works on cruises and like works on these ships so it's like it was nice to see them be able to kind of let go and enjoy themselves in a space where they would normally be working and I feel like oh well that's there's something appealing there where it's also it's possible to do in a way that isn't purely exploitative of anyone or purely forced upon me to like cons- to still carry the weight of the world on my shoulders while I'm there. Because that's the thing that also makes me worry is like, if I go to an all-inclusive resort, a cruise, am I going to be worried the whole time that I'm like contributing to some fucking horrible societal issue? But there are places you can go where that doesn't happen. And there are trips you can take where that's not the case. And I think it's just up yes. to me to do the work of finding out what that is. Yeah, because, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, not everything is White Lotus. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's right. like, like if, if, if a company is ethical and they pay their people enough and give them enough benefits, then they have pride in what they do. And yeah. having pride in what they do also could mean pampering you. You right. know? When I waited tables, I mean... Yes, I was young and like fucking like hated a lot of customers because they were rude and stuff. But I also had pride in what I did. Like I wanted yeah. to be a good server and I wanted to have good ser- give good service and make people feel, you know, good eating at restaurants. So it's that thing where I'm like, I don't know. It's not. It's you're just gonna have to like do the homework about it, and I'm sure there's it's nothing is perfect, you know. And yeah. but I feel like at least you're in the space where you. Or recognize it, recognizing it maybe being something that like it comes from like a trauma from a childhood thing, and maybe yeah, you know, talking about that is going to help with that a little bit. So absolutely, even if I just try it once and see what it's like to be taken care of, and you know, in whatever way I decide that looks, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how I re- I react to that and kind of see if I can get there. And tr- and truly relax because I know I need it. Like I can feel my sh- my my shoulders are up by my ears like ninety percent of the day. Like I'm just so tense, and so I can kind of feel that I need to relax for my own health. Yeah, like I need to figure out a way day to day, and that's kind of what I'm striving for now. It's like a day to day relaxation, a day to day like meditation, or just like just literally calming down for ten minutes every day. I have a, a an acupressure mat that I lay on, and it doesn't hurt. Like, you can feel it, but it doesn't hurt. But it just kind of, like, it's supposed to stimulate your blood flow. And it costs, like, 20 bucks. I got it, you know, like a local store. And um, 
like a local hippie store. And it just kind of like, just being able, just being forced to lay down, like forcing myself to lay down for 10 minutes and just not think about anything is a good exercise for me. Yeah. And trying to relax every day. So I think that it's, I can get there. I can get, and like I said, I'll try anything once. I love the notion of, look, I've never, one thing I've never done in my life is puke over the side of a boat. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on several. I used to go fishing all the time, but I'm pretty cool on a boat because I'm usually not drinking. So there's, I cannot believe that I have never puked off the side of the side of a boat. Yeah. But that could happen. Listen, you're never, it's always possible. Life is filled, life is filled with possibilities. I'm sure you could puke off of a boat. I'll take that Viking cruise and I'll just slide that door open and puke in a fjord. I don't care. Listen, I'm telling you right now, I I can so see you on a Viking cruise. (laughs) I can see myself on a Viking cruise. If Viking sees us together on a Viking cruise and wants to sponsor this podcast, please get in touch with us. I saw what you did, pod at gmail.com. I swear to God, like, that is a dream. Like, truly a dream to go on one of those things. I just need to come up with, like, 60 grand and uh, we'll be on our way. We can go to fucking... They do these cruises that are, like, 30, 45 days. What? Yes, they're long-ass cruises, man. But you get to go to all these great spots. And it's like, I don't know. Now I sound like a commercial for Viking. But I'm just saying, I want to go that bad. It just looks incredible. And I feel like you... I'm going to look it up. That's your speed, dude. Like, it it may not be that you need to go on, like... The Carnival Kathy Lee Gifford cruise. Maybe you need to go on Hell this Viking yeah. thing. You know what I mean? That sounds dope. I'm gonna look it up. I'll look at those staterooms. I'll see what's happening. I'll see what kind of what kind of fucking waterways we're gonna be in. Yes, and for God's sakes, take a vacation. Yeah, you, you really one. deserve it. After everything that you've done this year with your grandma, with work, with the podcast, with everything, you deserve a vacation. I'll tell you that right now. As somebody who knows you and talks to you often. You deserve that. Thank you. I do too. And you do too. You've been through a fucking lot this year too. And guess what? I can kind of foresee us going on some kind of vacation together in the future because Pulp is going back on tour. Oh, yeah. I, in 2023. I'm, I'm there. Like, just tell me when. Just tell I me when and where. cannot wait. They are my favorite band. I cannot fucking wait. And they're playing right. They announced their first parcel of dates. Uh, it's all UK, but different parts of the UK. I mean, shit. We can go to Wales. We can go to Dublin. Let's figure oh, I'll, it out. I'll, I'll definitely go to Dublin. I'll go. I'll go to Ireland or Scotland. Nice. Never. I've never been to either. Would love to nice. go. I'll even book Airbnbs there. I'll do the legwork. I, I that is the vacation that where I would like actually want to plan it. Um, I don't need an all-inclusive Scotland vacation to see Oh, hell no. No, I just I need to know where I'm going to sleep. I need to know... I kind of need to know that there are seats at the concert. Yes. Even if I'm not in it all the time, I need to know that it's available to me. Yeah. You know, like, that's kind of where I am at this point in my life, which I never thought I would say. Yeah. But I'm kind of not considering a concert without chairs. Oh, trust me. Like I, I better be sitting down. I'll. I want to fly all the way to the UK to sit down at a concert <laughs> and listen to music that I could hear right now on my phone. But yeah, 
No, I listen. If I if, if they play the his and hers album, uh, I'll stand from my chair, no doubt. But I want to be able to have the chair. It has to be there. Exactly. I want to stand for the songs that are meaningful enough to me, which is yeah. most of them. Mm-hmm. But come on, his and hers, different class. This is hardcore. Their live albums, that fucking that documentary that uh, Oscilloscope put out a few years ago that I watched multiple times a year. Shit, I'll, if Jarvis wants to play some from his solo jams, that Hell Black yeah. Magic song, man, play Black, Black Magic as an encore, dude. I'll be there. Uh, Black Magic, further complications, like fucking bring it. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm very excited. I can't wait. I think we should go. I think we should plan it. Or maybe get one of our friends to plan it so we can relax and they just send us the details. Do we know any travel agents? Do those still exist, travel agents? Probably for like super rich people. Damn. But we I, should look into it. There's probably, you know what? I guarantee that there's probably someone in their 20s who's like, let's bring back travel agents. Oh, God, that would be fucking brilliant. Like, it's like they a new have an influencer a- thing. Get a storefront in a shopping mall, like a little, a little strip mall. Put up some like po- posters of Acapulco. I'll be there. I love it. Put up a hang in there poster, some posters of Acapulco. <laughs> World's greatest grandpa mug. I'm there. <laughs> I guarantee someone has tried to figure out how to disrupt travel agents. <laughs> and they're on it. There's some app right now that's like, let us be your travel. They call it a travel concierge, I bet. Shit, I'll, what if it's me? What if this is my second act? What if, because listen, I know how to plan vacations. Oh, We've just shit. established that. I will, I'm going to look at least uh, office space the minute we stop recording. Well, then let's get into these fucking movies so we can get you into the next phase of your life. <laughs> Oh, this next phase is going to be so fucking sweet. We got a great theme. Oh, my God. It's an oldie but a goodie. Mm. We're bringing it back because it's just that fun. It is. And our theme this week is DJ Play My Motherfucking Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Look, you'll be happy to know that this time... My song for my movie plays many times in the film. <laughs> and this time, my song plays instrumentally at different moments throughout the film, but in full only at the end. Ha! We've swapped. We've swapped places. <laughs> the last time we did this episode, you know, our movies where she's having a baby and far and away. And so we're back this time, I think, this episode is going to be great because, personally, these were two huge songs in my childhood. Massive. Massive smash hits. And here's the weirdest part about that, too, is that, first of all, never saw your movie until just now. So it's I'm a so brand sorry. new watch for me. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll talk about it. <laughs> um, and I never saw my movie until... Maybe like a year or two ago for the first time. So I never really? watched these movies, but these songs were like so fucking big, right? Complete, and that's how it used to be. Is like the song carried so much weight that the movie was almost a secondary thought. 
Like yeah. the song was such a huge marketing tool that like whether you saw the movie or not, they're like, eh. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you on the soundtrack. Like you'll have to buy the soundtrack for this song. Yeah, I don't know if this is true about your song, but my I think my song for my movie was written for the movie specifically. So yeah, so okay. is mine for sure. Dude, your song is <laughs> so epic. It's fucking unreal. Oh, we are going to get into it. <laughs> Holy shit. No, I this is going to be a great episode because we're going to talk a lot about music, which we love to do. We love talking about music. So they go hand in hand. We love music, we love movies. I just I I have to say too, watching these films, which I did as a true double feature this week. I watched them back to back um in one one evening and I just fucking love movies so much. Like even when they're not the best movie in the world, I just love storytelling and i just i love movies i fucking love movies yeah me too the, these were fun they re- they very much evoke an era two different things right because one is yeah. like about you know basically high school kids and the other is about adults sexy adults <laughs> um and and both had this like total like both were just so the idea of me being a little kid and and thinking forward into life being like what are what's high school going to be like? What are my adult years going to be like? These are the types of movies that would inform that. Like, Completely. even though I never saw them, but they just have this like weird kind of um, vibe to them. Where I mean, I just thought your movie was like the pinnacle of adulthood. Like, I was like, I never saw it, but just totally. watching the video, which has a lot of clips from your movie, I was like, wow, that's what being adult an adult is. This song. It's all like sweaty and sexy and like in Mexico. Looking That's at what ruins. we thought our adults would be like. <laughs> just being in Mexico and being sweaty and sexy. Wearing a lot of linen. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, my movie is very typical kind of, you know, like an 80s. It's a very classic sort of 80s sports coming of age movie. And I was like, Madonna and Matthew Modine. I guess that's how high school is going to be. So I mean... It is, I had such a crush on Matthew Modine. <laughs> it started with this movie, which I saw like on WPIX Channel 11 one day, probably, like in the <laughs> afternoon. And I'm like, he is so cute. And then Gross Anatomy, which mm-hmm. I fucking loved. I watched it all the time. It was always on HBO. And then he did that, um, oh, he was in Full Metal Jacket, which of course I saw when I was a child. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and Birdie. Do you remember Birdie? I don't think I saw Birdie. Oh, God, he was just so fucking cute. He was well, in Memphis Belle. Let's not forget. Bitch, let's not forget. I'm about, that's like the first thing I'm about to say. And luckily, I'm going first this week because I got a lot to say. I just think he has always been so adorable to me. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into it because he is he is obviously the star of my movie this week. So you ready? You ready to talk about these two classic soundtrack films? I'm fucking ready because I also, I cannot believe, and we'll talk about it. I cannot believe it took me so long to realize that Madonna couldn't sing. <laughs> cannot carry a tune. This this is going to be discussed in just a moment. Excellent. Excellent. So my movie for the theme, DJ Play My Motherfucking Song, is a movie from 1985. The screenplay was by Daryl Poniscan. It was based on a book of the same name by Terry Davis. It was directed by Harold Becker, and it's called Vision Quest. The girl in my dreams lives under my own roof. I see her every day, but she's 
thinks I'm a kid, immature, dumb jock. All of which is more or less true. Ooh, vision Quest. Oh my god, we gotta talk about that Vision Quest. Okay, so to be honest, I wrestled. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, like, I was a wrestler in high school. No, I'm no, like, no. what? No. I just simply wrestled with two different options for this week, okay? Because when it comes down to it, there was actually two Madonna ballads Mm. that I was obsessed with growing up that came from movies that I had never seen, right? right? So the first one was Live to Tell, which was from At Close Range, which I've still never seen, by the way. Fuck. It's like got Sean Penn and Christopher Walken, and it's like Madonna's in that 40s dress, and she's like talking about home or... I don't know, something like that. Like that I that's the video I remember. And then like intercut with that was like Sean Penn and Christopher Walken in like with in a roadhouse or something. I don't even remember. <laughs> MTV really informed a lot for me like, when I was a kid. <laughs> oh god. But but and I think it was out close range, was that based on a play? I can't remember. But actually, I, I actually think it might be like a true crime or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. I, haven't, I, I don't think I've watched it, or at least if I have, I don't remember it and I haven't seen it in a long fucking time. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we put that in an episode? We'll have to yeah. do that as an episode. That'll be a first watch for both of us. But anyway, so that, so Live to Tell and then this song, which comes from Vision Quest. And I mean, I don't ever, I, do, I don't really know why I never saw this movie because. I mean, it was such a common, it's such a common thing in the 80s, like these coming of age sports movies, right? But I do remember seeing the video about 300,000 times on MTV. And of course, they had clips from the movie, like to the point where I thought maybe I'd seen the movie because I just saw the video so so often. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And um, I totally understand. Yeah, like I watched the video, you know, on YouTube um, this morning and was like, that they really show pretty much the entire movie in this yeah. video. So now we don't got to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a prom- it was a promotional tool for the film, obviously, which is why they, they did all that. But I was like, wow, I never actually saw the film. And now yeah. I know that Crazy For You is, it's been, it was in 13 going on 30 and it's been in a lot of other stuff. But like the whole reason why... I even thought about the movie was because of the song. Absolutely. And like I said, the song was written for the film by these two songwriters, and it was written for Madonna, who at the time was just starting out for the mm-hmm. most part, like like a virgin, the al- her her huge fucking life-changing album was released around the same time as this film. And it was kind of interesting too because this song was written for her, written for Vision Quest, but it was also the first time that she had released a ballad as a single because mm. most of her songs were dance songs at the time. Right. And um, the so what ended up happening was the song got played on a lot of like adult contemporary radio stations. Yeah. And it kind of like pushed her career forward because it was like, she had range. She could sing slow love songs and dance songs. And so it just mm-hmm. was like, it just kind of broadened her fan base a little bit. But I have to say, 
as a girl, there there are two songs that I thought were the most romantic songs ever, and I used to listen to them on repeat like hundreds of times. Rush, Rush by Paula Abdul. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> And this song, and Madonna's Crazy For You, like those two songs I would just listen to on repeat, like a sad little girl that wanted a boyfriend so bad. Okay, we again, parallel childhoods. (laughs) I vividly remember laying on my bed at like seven years old, eight years old, listening to Crazy For You and thinking, oh my God, I know what love is. I want to be in love because of this song and just thinking it was the fucking jam. I don't, what brings that out in us? This is that high fidelity question. What comes first, the music or the misery? Like what the fuck was I doing at eight years old, laying on my bed, listening to crazy for you on repeat, like a fucking maniac. Oh yes. And, and, and to be honest with you, like, I don't even really know where my feelings were being directed at do you know what i mean it's like could have it could have been a boy at my school could have been the cast of memphis bell (laughs) i don't know i just wanted a boyfriend i wanted to be in love you know just the idea of like story you know these songs are stories about people like wanting to be with people and i just thought oh i want that too but i don't i'm just like now i'm just crying with my little fisher price radio (laughs) like (laughs) Because I'm like, eight. look, that that marketing team was tight. They're like, what we need to do is get one of those thick plastic Fisher Price discs and just fucking braille this fucking song into <laughs> into the grooves and let little kids get sad. Yes, I actually still have the 45 for Crazy for You. Like I have it. It's in my living room right now. And I, and like I I just was like I mean you're you've got to be fucking dead to not like this song I mean it's so like dreamy and like sexy but like romantic and like I mean they fucking nailed it that like the they people that wrote the song they really nailed it fucking so. nailed especially because Madonna cannot sing in this song or in general oh we're gonna talk about that because. The thing is, is that this play, this song plays in many points of the film. It, yes. You know, the one thing that's very notable about Vision Quest is that Madonna was actually in the movie. She mm-hmm. she's in the scene where Loudon goes to the bar and sees Carla out, and Madonna is playing in the bar, and she actually performs that song "Gambler." So she yeah. does two songs, "Gambler" and "Crazy for You," and. The song. So what ends up happening is after this, the song plays anytime Loudon and Carla are together, essentially. Right. And they took the actual live track that she sang in the bar, which I gotta say, I don't think it's on key. I don't know. You don't have to be bashful about that. It isn't. <laughs> it absolutely is not on key at all. <laughs> But the actual recorded version is okay. Right. It's just that live version. So in but in that way where it's like, oh, why do they keep playing the version she just sang? Because she sang exactly. it off key and mm, this is annoying. And look, I several Madonna songs just litter my life. Like I'm not saying 
that her inability to sing has prevented me from enjoying her music. I'm Absolutely. just saying it took me a long time to realize she's off key a lot. Yeah. Like a lot of what she puts out is what the kids now call a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. she had a lot of fucking attitude and a lot of energy. And I, when, when I was a kid, I loved her because I'm like, this motherfucker is rebellious. Like that desperately seeking Susan moment where she raises her arms up and she's got the pit hair. And I'm like, she had a whole thing going on and singing was like, a part of it yeah. that pushed her into our pop cultural lexicon, but it wasn't the thing she was the best at. No, I feel like there were certain songs that she has in her in her discography, if you will, mm-hmm. that when she gets at a higher register, it's kind of like, <laughs> like, you're like, okay, Madonna, don't go that high. You're not. Christine Aguilera or Mariah Carey. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, if you just stay at this kind of like low fun key, you're fine. But if you try yeah. to go higher, it's a little wobbly. And I feel like there's that in Crazy for You, it's those notes that, yes. you know, you get a little, get a little bent, I guess. But that's like, <laughs> every time they'd play the song in Vision Quest, I'd be like, it just flinched. I would just flinch slightly. Because um, that version, that version. Yeah. In particular, you're like the song gets me there, but the version of the song, the live one, oof, oof. oof. <laughs> well. Also, I kind of love that. And I know this is turning into a Madonna episode. I don't mean it to be, but I kind of love in the Like a Prayer era when that song came out and she had like that professional chorus, like a professional choir of black singers behind her in the oh, Like yeah. a Prayer song. And I'm like, why are you playing yourself like this? You've got actual singers behind you who are doing a shitty, great, like a fucking great job. And you're up here shitting all over the place. Exactly. Her two longtime backup singers that are like in the holiday uh, yes. video, they're like, holiday celebration, coming together, together and every, every nation. nation. <laughs> <laughs> I love those two. Love those two. She could have just pushed a little <laughs> bit more work on them. They're like, you got me right now. Um, oh my God, I love it. Listen, I after um, after I was done writing my notes for this episode, I went on a Madonna tear. I've been listening to Madonna <laughs> for like three days, dude. I was like, La Isla Bonita is a fucking jam. <laughs> Shit. Like, oh god yeah well it's hard not to do when you find the fucking song from the movie and you're like now i'm transported back to a place which is what movie soundtracks and movie themes should do they should exactly. transport you to the moment yeah and i didn't i didn't hate your movie i thought it was weird that like like matthew modine plays such an earnest character in this film and like the one thing I wish they did, which I know was impossible because, you know, it was 1985, is focus on the fact that he clearly had an eating, an eating disorder and was, like, constantly telling people that he felt like he was going crazy and nobody listened to him. Oh, yes. I mean, listen, there's a couple of things that are very of the era that mm-hmm. we need to discuss. And one of them is the fact that he is disturbingly putting himself through hell. Like, he's... Yeah. like. I mean, we're going to get into it when I get into the synopsis, because if, like I said, if you haven't seen this movie, I kind of can't blame you because it's the thing where I just, I never saw it as a kid. I think I just yeah. was so like fixated on the song and then I just forgot to watch the movie. But <laughs> anyway, if you want a synopsis of the film, okay, 
Vision Quest is about a high school athlete who is completely and utterly obsessed with winning the county wrestling championship, mm-hmm. but he gets slightly derailed um, when he meets this alluring older lady. And that's the synopsis of the film. And what we talked about just now is that Matthew Modine, who is the star of many, many great films, including Married to the Mob, which, oh. by the way, we did a commentary track for the Fun City Editions Blu-ray of Married to the Mob. I just watched it the other night, and it was so weird to hear my, like, our voices coming out of a television oh my God. screen. I can't. But I'm like... <laughs> It's so well done. All the extras are great. It's so well done. They did a beautiful job with that reissue. And yeah, he is hilarious in that movie and so weird. And I loved it. Uh, Yeah, but also kind of the same type of guy. He's a very kind of earnest. I think we talked about this maybe in that commentary or maybe when we did, um, there was another movie that we did of his, right? I don't remember. But maybe it was when we were talking about Memphis Belle. He has kind of this like very like aw shucks quality to him. Like he's very Jimmy Stewart type. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I have to say, when that DVD came out and he was retweeting our names as part of like the special features, I was what? shitting. Okay. Wait, I deactivated my Twitter account. I did not know this. <laughs> Matthew Modine is out here promoting this Blu ray where we're involved. So we're about like a degree away from Matthew Modine at this point. I can't handle it. Matthew, if you're out, if you out there and you want to be on a podcast, please, please. I can't, I can't handle it. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Why also, would I be I gotta, kidding you? <laughs> listen, I gotta say, I know. Why would you be kidding? You're like, why? Why would I? <laughs> why would I? I gotta lie? say, I believe his wife is Italian. Something possibly. Yeah, I love that. I think I think they've been married for a very long time. They have kids and everything, but I think she's, I don't know. I'm going to find out, but she is a brown woman, and i th- and they've been married for 42 fucking years. Dude. And yes. there's something that I now can identify is, like, I can innately identify when I like a white guy because he has a brown wife. <laughs> So even before I knew this information, I'm like, Matthew Modine seems cool to me. I don't know why. And then I found out it's because he has a fucking brown wife. Yeah. I mean, I saw him on the street in New York about 15 years ago, and he drives a Prius. I was like, this motherfucker is solving climate change. We love him. Uh, we love tweet, him. He's, he used to tweet about, like, fucking, like, when there was a school shooting or, like, anything. He's in it. Like, he's in the world. Like, he's yes. not, like, stepping back. And, but he's also fucking cool. Yeah. And he's got a cool wife. And beautiful, like, just, they're a beautiful couple. There's something real cool about him. Yes. And if he wants to come on the pod, I'd be down, and I will apologize to his children in advance. Your dad's hot. He's great in this film, by the way. Like, he really is, like, he really does seem like the the kind of character that he plays, right? Yeah. So, he plays, the, the lead character of the film, he plays this character named Loudon Swain, what a name, by the way. Um, he is this 18-year-old high school wrestler. He lives with his dad in Spokane, Washington, okay? And he has a job at night where he delivers room service at a hotel. But here's the thing. Right off the bat in, in this movie, he 
It's very known that he has this focus mission. And what he wants to do is he wants to lose as much weight as he can so he can be in the same weight class as, like, the current county wrestling champion, this kid named Shoot. Shoot, 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 shoot. And (laughs) what you find out very quickly is that Shoot is like the Moby Dick for Loudon in this film. Right? Like, and when you fucking see the shoot guy, he's carrying a log up these stadium stairs and he has the body of this like 27 year old Marine. Yeah. And you're going, how the hell is this going to happen? How the hell is, is Matthew Modine going to kick this guy's ass at wrestling? And now, did you have a wrestling team at your high school? I, yes, we did. But I, that was such a mysterious world to me. Yeah. That's how I feel, because I did not have a wrestling team at my high school. Mm-hmm. And so it always seems like a very strange sport, or like mysterious, or curious is, is I don't know, it was like a very curious sport. So anytime they showed any scenes of them like in the gym or the coach talking to them, I'm like, this is just so unknown to me. Remember those scenes? There were a couple of scenes, in, in the, which I'm not going to ruin the end, but there were a couple of scenes during a fight where they put their head, like their cheeks on each other's back when they're ready to go. Like when yeah. they're to start the match, like they kind of have to lay their head on each other's back. And I'm like, this is really interesting to look at. Right. So like, okay, you've got Loudon who is trying to lose weight to be in this like 168 pound weight class, which again is, this is a world that I don't know much about. I'm like, damn, that's crazy because Matthew Medine is already pretty lean. And he's, yeah. a, especially in this movie when he's young and so, because of that, you're like, wow, he is, like, trying to lose even more weight to yeah. fight this guy. And it's like, he's doing all this stuff, which is, I mean, honestly, it's so disordered. And it would basically yeah. kill anyone but, like, an 18-year-old guy, right? It's like, he's working out. He's not eating. He's jogging in one of those, like, sauna suits. Yeah. And it's, like, all of this, like excessive workout stuff and this, like, really he bad... He runs everywhere. Like, he just runs everywhere. Yeah, and then it's like, he's just standing around and he just starts doing push-ups and shit, and he's giving himself bloody noses because he's just, like, going too hard. Uh, yeah, I feel like that it was, it was really hard to watch, actually. Yeah, and, yeah, and if, that, if that movie... If this movie were made today, I think that would be addressed in a much bigger way. Absolutely. Like I said, very, very of the time, right? And... But here's the thing. Everybody on his wrestling team is like, this guy is a total fucking idiot. This is, there's no way. There's no way he's going to win. And he is a maniac of the highest order by doing any of this. Um, I can't even believe he's in the same weight class as Shoot. When you look at the two of them, you're like, how is this possible? Well, that's what, that's what I was saying. I was like, Shoot looks like, you know, like he's in his late 20s, early 30s. He looks like he's in the military. He's just jacked. And I'm kind of like, okay, I guess they're both going to weigh the same... Wait, I don't know. This guy looks like he's rippling with muscles. I, I also, I don't know what weight class he was in, but are we going to mention that not only was Forrest Whitaker in this film, but his character's name is Balldozer? <laughs> I, ah, I had no idea that was that. <laughs> Young Forrest Whitaker plays a character called Balldozer. <laughs> I had literally no idea that was his name. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. I just feel like I need I need to put that out there. Absolutely. But yes, 
it is wild to watch this, like, him getting ready for this this fight and him training. Yeah. Well, and, like, listen. So his entire, his coach, his wrestling team is like, absolutely no. But he does manage to make a friend. And it's this dude named Cooch. <laughs> spelled K-U-C-H, by the way. Get your mind out of the gutter. Cooch is played by Michael Shoffling. Okay. The man the legend himself. At the time, Michael Schaffling had just filmed 16 Candles. Okay? And to that end, he's pretty much the exact opposite character from Jake Ryan in this movie. Okay? Completely. In Vision Quest, he plays... His character's like this punk rock kid. He's from a bad home. He has a mohawk and a flannel shirt with the sleeves ripped off. He's a very road warrior. And not for nothing... I fucking love this guy. I love Cooch. <laughs> Look, he's on a motorcycle. He will not stop telling you that his he's half Native American. Listen, we're going to get to that in just a second. Because that... <laughs> he's the re- he is basically the character that introduces Loud into the concept of the vision quest, which is what yes. the movie is named after in the book. Uh, and Cooch says that he's um, half Native American, but guess what? He lied. He actually lied. He's just simply a white dude. But as a guy who's like a weird spiritual jock in an 80s movie that carries around like a dirty duffel bag on a motorcycle, I fucking love him. I love Cooch. Like, I love Cooch. <laughs> I do. Like, he's just that guy. He's just like that punk rock, you know, kind of spiritual, like, you know, ride around a motorcycle. Like, he's he's actually, like, a good foil for Loudon because he's just kind of, like, he's always trying to ground him in some kind of reality, but then also ends up, like, encouraging him to see this match through. Because yeah. it's like, you know, obviously you guys go look up what a vision quest is. I think we we yeah. sort of know the general idea of it, but... You know, he's basically telling uh, Loudon, like, hey, this is, like, a big deal. Like, this could be a big yeah. deal for you. This could change your life. It's not just you being an idiot and wanting to prove some weird shit. I- I- this yeah. could be good, you know? Like, you have to go through something hard in order to have the experience or whatever, so. And I like that because you kind of expect this character, based on all the 80s jock movies that we've seen, you expect this character to be such a dick. Yeah. But then he actually comes around to being a little bit supportive and yes. like instantly is just like yeah you can fucking do it like let's he's very supportive in a team weight teammate mate way that we rarely see it in an 80s film definitely and if like i said if you loved jake ryan but you just want him to have a mohawk this is your movie it certainly was for me i was like damn i, I don't know how we could have improved on jake ryan but we did it and here we are just give just give him a dirty ass duffel bag <laughs> <laughs> Jake Ryan, Vision Quest, Mermaids, and then Quit the Biz. What a trinity. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at some point, Loudon meets this girl named Carla, and she's played by Linda Fiorentino. Okay? And she gets introduced to the film. She's she, Her car breaks down at his dad's shop. His dad is, is played by Ronnie Cox of Deliverance fame. Carla is three years older than Loudon. A real cougar, I guess. Like, those three years means so much at this age. She So Carla's on her way to San Francisco because she wants to be an artist. And as Michael Stipe said, she is three miles of bad road. 
Like, she actually tells Loudon, I've been 21 since I was 14. Oh, God. And, I mean, she is out there by herself trying to drive across the country. You know, her car breaks down. She's like, the she gets introduced and she's like yelling at a grown man. And she's got like a tough little brown bomber jacket. She's like real hot. And I'm like, she's from Trenton, New Jersey. Like, and this is the kind of gal that Loudon does. I mean, he's like, she's 21 and she's not like anybody I've ever known. Like, Mm -hmm. he he's in love with her almost instantly. And the weirdest part is that she's got nowhere to go because her car broke down. So guess what? She ends up staying with Loudon and his dad. (laughs) Which, again, a remake of this movie now is that's a horror movie now. Like you're in a house with two men, two cishet men. <laughs> you're driving across the country. Nobody knows where you are. You're getting murdered. But I like that in this in this more innocent time, they were like, she can just live here. And let yes. me tell you, she wastes no time. He gives her his room, his bedroom to stay in. And it's really bare. Like when she gets in there, it's like single bare light bulb, like nothing, no decoration. She wastes no time putting her mark on that room. And it made me realize that pussy willows were the pompous grass of the 80s. They were fucking (laughs) everywhere. You could not turn your head in a room without seeing a fucking pussy willow branches just sticking out of something in the 80s. Uh, (laughs) Listen, she was like... Uh, I can't sit in this house with these two boys without putting up some pussy willows. Let me also make throw me feel a, like a woman. Throw a fucking gauzy scarf over a lamp because it's the eighties. <laughs> Listen, like for Carla comes in real tough, but we all know she's a sensitive artist and she's just putting up a little bit of a front because she's had a hard life. And you know what ends up happening is she's the every day she sits in this house, Loudon becomes more and more of a horny dork. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, his obsession with Carla is starting to sidetrack this mission to beat Shoot. Okay. Now, at the same time, Carla has been hanging out with one of Loudon's teachers, which, suffice to say, really freaks him the fuck out. And Loudon has this, like, weird... I, I, maybe it's because he's starving himself. Maybe his brain is just, like, completely scrambled eggs right now because he like really like freaks out about this i mean he actually kind of attacks her at one point which is really disturbing uh but then at some point they like travel to see his grandpa and then they hook up after which is like okay uh that those sequences happen like really close together and i'm like huh i don't know i don't know what she's thinking yeah that was a a choice they weren't really focused on what she was thinking yes uh but you know what like what ends up happening is they hook up, and then, even more disturbing, Loudon confronts his teacher and basically is like, hey, thanks for not fucking her. Cool, teach. See you later. And I'm like, so what? Wild. So wild. What? Can you imagine doing that, by the way? Like, going up to no. your teacher when you're, like, in high school and being like, thanks for not fucking my girlfriend. <laughs> I can't imagine having the balls. I can't imagine being in the situation to do so. Like, yes, these are adults. You're still you're still going to class. Yes, and that teacher is basically like, okay, bye. Like, yeah, this is weird, dude. Get away. So, uh, you know, obviously, Carla has to tell Loudon at one point, get over me. Just make the weight, wrestle this guy, see this through. You've already gone this far. Let's just get it done. 
right? And he's like, I don't know. This sucks. I just want to be with her. I can't think of anything else. And then, you know, he starts talking to the cook at the restaurant in the hotel. And his name is Elmo. He's like a real tough, like, dude with, like, Marines tattoos and stuff. And he's like, finally, that he's like, go for it, kid. Like, gives him this big pep talk involving Pele. And is like, go do it. You've already starved yourself. You might as well fucking beat this, you know, fucking batty guy from the other school. And I won't give it away, but guess what? It has a very 80s sports coming-of-age movie ending, as you can imagine. Also, I have to say this. Uh, we talked about the, there's a lot of wrestling stuff in this movie. There's a lot of these like weird kind of like wrestling team rituals where they're like jumping. They, they do the thing where they're like laying down on the floor and then some guy gets up and has to like hopscotch over the dudes and then go lay down in the next open spot. Oh, God, it's so weird. It's, I've never seen anything like that. Also, the thing that haunted me the most and will continue to is that pegboard thing that they have in Ooh. the gym. What the hell was that? How fit do you have to be to fucking do that pegboard thing? I And that wasn't, it didn't appear to me to be a double. That was Modine. Okay, if we ever get Modine on this podcast, that is like one of the first questions I'm going to ask him. It's like, did you actually do that pegboard where you had to pull your entire body weight up on these like pegs and climb up to the top? Like, I can't imagine being that fit ever. No. No. I I hang from those pegs on the bottom rung. I'm going to crack those pegs off in the hole. Yes. I couldn't even get it up one. Yeah, just like sheer, sheer me just hanging with my body weight and just giving up instantly. I would just crack them off in the fucking holes and the, lay down. The wooden dowels just split. And then we're both <laughs> like on the mat being like, can I have a hand cart to wheel me out of this gym right now? I can't move. <laughs> Can you just pick up one of these? Remember those mats that we used to have in the 80s? It's like they would fold out in threes and fours. Uh huh. Can you just like get me one of those mats and pop, just open a couple of them, pop me on it and just slide me out? Yeah. Or you could make it a little tent and I'll just live here. I won't, yeah, you don't even oh, have to even move better. Me. Well, even better. I have to say, I mean, we, this movie is. Very 80s. It is enjoyable. I mean, it's not like the best movie of all time, but it's very enjoyable. Matthew Modine is is such a cutie. We you got young Force Whitaker. You also have young Daphne Zuniga, my mm-hmm. queen. She's in this film. And also, you know, there's Crazy for You is the obvious huge hit of the film, but there's also like so many other 80s movies on the soundtrack. Like there's that Journey song. Not for nothing. There's that song Harden My Heart. By uh. Quarter Flash. When I was a kid, I thought that song was literally like a song that like sexy women who lived in like penthouses in New York City would w- would listen to while they're like getting ready for their date. They're like zipping up the side zipper of their leather skirt <laughs> with their matching sweater that had like shoulder pads in it and shit. And then they do that, like, Duran Duran, Rio, blush, like, (laughs) streak. And then it's like that song, the saxophone of the Hard My Heart is playing when they're getting ready. I mean, that song is epic for me. Completely tied to those kinds of moments, those 80s rocker girl moments, for sure. Yes, yes. But 
But for me, obviously, it had to be about crazy for you. And absolutely. It's the best. It's so it's still one of the most romantic songs I love. I listen to it all the time, even though Madonna singing those high notes, TBD. TBD. But the song still rocks. I love it. Yeah. I listen to my song all the time, too. <laughs> I listen to your song and have a fucking breakdown every time. <laughs> oh, let's get let's get into it. So my film was released in 1984. The screenplay is by Eric Hughes. It was directed by Taylor Hackford, who is Mr. Helen Mirren. And my film is Against All Odds. So what is it you don't like exactly? Uh, football players, tacos, or beer? I like tacos and I like beer. <laughs> Against all odds. Just like the hardest fucking name for a movie that is basically about people fucking in tombs in Mexico. <laughs> Like, I think against all odds, and I'm like, it's going to be about sports, it's going to be about race cars, it's going to be about fucking monsters. No. <laughs> it's about an heiress and a football player. <laughs> wow. So this movie is actually a remake of a film called Out of the Past, which stars who? Old butthole eyes himself, Robert Mitchum. Hell yeah. He ain't just <laughs> always a piece of shit. But kind of. I mean, he's not a murderer, I guess. <laughs> a murderer of children. Yeah, he's not a he's not a child murderer in this in this out of the past. So we we, we, will, we will give him that because that is saying a lot for old Mitch, old butthole eyes Mitchum. But Taylor Hackford, who I don't know if people know as Mr. Helen Mirren, he has directed a lot of things. He directed Officer and a Gentleman. Uh, this movie was actually his first movie after Officer and a Gentleman. He mm. directed White Nights, which is where he met Helen Mirren during an audition for the film. Oh. Um, Ray. Uh, and he directed the video for my song, which is the Phil Collins Absolute Jam Against All Odds <laughs> slash Take a Look at Me Now. Um, now, the other thing about Taylor Hackford that I think is worth mentioning is back in 2009, he did sign a petition in support of Roman Polanski after Polanski was arrested in Switzerland. So I kind of want to say fuck this guy. Mm. Uh, but just let, just putting that out there. Just putting that out there. Um, and he didn't go to school for film he he's kind of started I, I just thought this was interesting too he started using a super 8 camera while he was in bolivia with the peace corps mm. which i think is just wild so he came to film yeah. in a really organic way um and then he made a movie that gave us a power ballad that didn't necessarily create the genre but absolutely dominates it Uh, I mean, can you think of another... I mean, uh, this was like the absolute 80s power ballad for me. Like, I will never not think of my childhood listening to this song. Absolutely. Just pure domination. Yeah. Um, it was written for the movie, specifically. It plays at the end. Like I said, it plays instrumentally throughout, but it plays at the end. It won a Grammy in 1985. It was Phil Collins' first number one song. Um, and 
there is like there's a Mar- there's a Mariah Carey version which I haven't listened to. What? I know, but like I'm reading this Wikipedia entry and I'm like, wait, what? And so there's a, a Mariah Carey version that she does with Westlife, the British boy band. Yes, and I can't listen to it. I can't even entertain listening to it. I can't, but it's out there if you want to. It's out there if you want to dig in. Uh, but this song is so powerful and so intense. And there is also, there's an episode of This American Life, episode 339, called Breakup. And Starly Kine listened to all these sad songs to get over a breakup and decides to write and record one. Um, but she heavily talks about how this song, Against All Odds, was like, a song that she actually quoted during the breakup because <laughs> they used to listen to it together and like, oh my god, does she? Do, what do you know? What part? Yeah, how could you just let me walk away? Like that's the part that she says during the breakup. Yeah. Oh my god, that's wild. That's wild. Oh, but then even better is she actually talks to Phil Collins about the song. And he's recently divorced. His divorce was, like, finalized on his birthday. So this song was written during his first divorce. And it's one of the first songs that he wrote by himself. Because when he was in Genesis, he was, like, the singer and the drummer. But he didn't write the songs. And then he's been divorced three times. (laughs) So by the time he's talking to Starly Kine, he's like, yeah, tell me about it. This song, I basically wrote this song and it ended up being like a fucking portent for my goddamn life. <laughs> oh my god. That is crazy. Yeah. It is wild. You have to if, if you haven't already heard that episode, it is worth listening to episode 339 of This American Life. But yeah, he wrote this song during his first breakup and his I guess his first wife took his kids and they went back to England or something. Like he was living somewhere else. He was recording mm-hmm. and traveling. And he's just like, how could you take my kids? Like, it was, just, it was intense to listen to him talk about it. But then it kind of answers one of my main questions, which is like, why is this song so good? Because the movie is not. The movie is not. I'm just going to say, mm. this movie is a pure vehicle for Jeff Bridges looking as hot as humanly possible. Oh, my God. I I could I, I could not agree with you more. The, okay, there's a part of me that wonders if Jeff Bridges was being objectified in this movie. That's how hot he was. Like, there are times where he's literally just, like, sitting around with his shirt open, showing that that those washboard tanned abs. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to answer that for you right now. He was 100% being objectified. Yes! Because this movie suffers from a little something I like to call 80s excess. There is Ugh. way too much going on in this movie. Yes. And it was, they basically, to my in my mind, just said, all right, there's too much going on. You know, let's just focus on Bridges yeah. and his being tan and hot. Look, uh, I fucking love to see it. Not gonna lie. Because, you know, here's a guy where I'm like, oh, this is, the guy is like the hottie in the film. And they're trying to get his shirt off at every chance they could and i'm here for that shit like absolutely and also too if you only know jeff bridges is the fucking dude you're like oh this guy was a total hunk he had that beard he's wearing all those like banana republic clothes and shit and like he's like 
you know, aviator sunglasses. Listen, we I went on record on the big chill episode and thought, I was like, that classic male look of like the khakis and the fucking like white button up shirts. I'm like, I can't help it. I love that shit. And he <laughs> he is wearing the fuck out of these clothes. Yeah, if you, if you only know him as the dude, you better do your homework because there is so much more to know about him. Yeah, he he was beautiful in this movie. Like I was yeah. like really surprised by it because like like I said, I've never seen this movie before ever. Mm-hmm. First watch, and I was stunned. He was like in that kind of like Paul Newman kind of way yeah. where I was like, they really showing him off. Good for him. Sun, sun bleached hair, like they really went for it, and mm-hmm. he is the star of the show. Uh, he plays this character named Terry Brogan who is a professional football player who gets cut from his team because of politics and 80s excess and (laughs) gets embroiled in this scheme with a former football player, played by James Woods, who we do not like in the movie and in real life for me. (laughs) 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 But um, he's played by James Woods, and he basically goes to meet his this old friend. Like, he, this friend requests a meeting, so he goes to see him. And James Woods is like, look, I was dating this woman, Jessie Weiler, who's played by Rachel Ward. And she took 50,000 bucks from me and then fucked off, and I need you to find her. And you don't have to bring her back, you just have to tell me where she is. And Brogan's like, I've just been cut from the team. They're not going to pay me. They're they're fucking me around because, again, there's eight plot lines in this movie. (laughs) So I'll do it. So he takes his money to, like, he gets paid to basically find this woman. And she just so happens to be the daughter of the owner of the team, who is Jane Greer. Um, classic movie actress, Jane Greer. Yeah. Was Um, she in Out of the Past? I think she was in Out of the Past. I think she was in Out of the Past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's like reprising for this in a different role, obviously, but like kind of cool to see her in this. Yeah. This one as well. And um, she, so Rachel, so the Rachel Ward character, Jessie Weiler, has, she's already like this rich girl, but now she's stolen from this kind of gangster because James Woods like, owns a nightclub and is into gambling. And, like, that's what he decided to do with his post-football career. So Jeff Bridges, he's like, goes talk to her mom, and her mom's like, yeah, she might think she's hiding, but she's accessing her trust fund. I know for a fact she's in Cozumel, Mexico. (laughs) So he goes down there and finds her, and she hates football players. She's being, like, very spoiled bratty. And she's like, I didn't take that guy's money. And I hate football players. But P.S., why don't you come out to my house? You can't leave without seeing it. It's the most beautiful spot in Mexico. I'm living out here like Hank Hill. I've got no electricity <laughs> and only propane. And they fuck. And they start this relationship mm. where he's just like, oh, P.S., forget about my what I've been charged and paid to do, which is to find you and report back to Jake. I am going to... Jake, who I also get into Porsche races with on the fucking streets of LA. Um, Weirdest. Stressful. 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 Especially because I recognize a lot of those roads and I'm like, ooh, I can't. I can't. Um, But he decides, like, fuck it. I'm just going to be with you and we'll make it work and we'll go to fucking Chichen Itza and (laughs) we'll have a whole new life. And fuck all these people who are looking for you. I'm on your side now. And there's also this subplot of, like, 
environmentalism and opening like a spot on a canyon and like it's just too much it's too much going on but suffice to say that alex karras who plays uh hank sully who is brogan's one of brogan's coaches on the football team he is also embroiled in this somehow because at first you're like oh he's just a football coach who's like taking care of his players and is on their side and then you learn once he shows up to this like pyramid that they're running around with a gun and tries to fucking kill him you're like oh he also works for jake wise so now because brogan didn't bring jesse back you've got jake being like i'm gonna send your fucking coach to come get you it's very convoluted. And I'm going to come get you while you in, are in full coitus in the sweat room. I mean, this this movie is basically as close to porn as Jeff Bridges is ever going to get. <laughs> um, imagine going to a tomb in, in some, like, historical section of a foreign country and seeing two people fucking in it, <laughs> and, then no, and then realizing it's your friend. Like... <laughs> Like, the way that he rolls up on him is very chill, considering the circumstance. Yeah, you're like, I see you fucking. I'm going to turn around and give you your privacy. And then I'm going to try to shoot and kill you. <laughs> also, you said in the episode not too long ago with Kurt Braunohler about how funny grandpa is in your wheelhouse romantically now. For me, it's Webster's dad. I mean, who knew? Alex Karras, first and foremost, how we, how I was introduced to Alex Karras before I even knew he was a fucking professional football player back in the day. He was Webster's dad. Exactly. <laughs> he adopted a little black boy. And, and just like, like now, I'm at the age where I'm like, Webster's dad is hot. Like this is a hot guy. Like ah! I, if if I if he was on a dating app, I would definitely swipe right on him. Oh no! What's going oh, on? I mean, I'll give you. I'll give that to you. <laughs> I was more focused on Jeff Bridges fucking in a stone sweat room. <laughs> but I'll I mean, give it to you. <laughs> I'm I get just saying, it. In addition to Jeff Bridges being like a male Adonis. <laughs> um, a shirtless himbo hunk. I I actually think that Alex Karras <laughs> in this era is a hottie. I mean, back in the day, I was like, oh, he's a dad. He's a he's Webster's dad. He yeah. is a guy with a mustache. And now I'm like, eh, he could get it. He's he he seems age appropriate now. Yeah, looking back I, on look, this movie, you know, my wheelhouse right now is Funny Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the younger end of the spectrum, and that's fine. I'll take a young, funny grandpa. Like, you had your kid when you were 18. They had their kids when they were 20. That's You're a right. young grandpa. Yeah, but it always cracks me up how he just discovers them in the tomb. Oh, my God. You know, it's just like, oh, what's up? I didn't even realize that you were in Mexico at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he when when Brogan runs out and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here, dude? Like, not only did you just catch me fucking, but what are you doing here? <laughs> I know. This can't be a coincidence, so what the fuck? 
Oh, it's wild. And then the movie, believe it or not, gets more involved from there. Like, it just goes into, like, espionage and fucking running away. And basically, I will save you the full synopsis and just say that by the end, by the end of this film, Jesse has made a deal that as long as Brogan will be safe, she'll kind of fall in line and do her duties and, you know, be the good daughter and all that shit and kind of, you know... She she just agrees to basically live a life that she never wanted to live to save Brogan. And so the song, the song Against All Odds, it is, this song is the king of emotional upheaval. Totally. Like, I don't know how you listen to this song and you do not get emotional. So if you're sad... It's like, oh, do you want to cry while a middle-aged man goes hard to the point of screaming about a breakup? Yes, you do. Because <laughs> the buildup in this song the, and the crescendo is part of the perfection. Like, the way it just inches up from, like, I'm thinking about it, I'm sad, I'm quietly singing, I'm singing a little bit more. Here's all my fucking emotions. Like, I am pouring my heart out in this song. Dude, when he finally is like, ah! Still be standing here. Like he just he like can't form the words. Like now he's just having like a guttural. He's sad, having a Joe Cocker. Yes. Yeah. He's having a Joe Cocker moment. <laughs> he goes Joe Cocker. Like the scale of like singing a song to I don't know, but if I feel it's passionate, I don't know what you're saying, but it's passionate. Tip top Joe Cocker scale. Also, I don't know if you've noticed this. I sure did. In the song, he goes from saying against the odds to mm -hmm. saying against all odds. All odds. Where I'm like, damn. It's like the last time he says it, he says it's against all odds. And I'm like, uh -huh. that means he's really fucking, he's like realizing that shit yes. ain't coming back. This is over. It's against yes. all odds. Not just the yeah. odds. Not just the odds. Which he says very calmly in the beginning, like, you know, you coming back to me is against the odds. Means it could happen. And then by the time he's screaming at the end, he's like, oh, fuck, you're not coming back. This is never going to happen. All odds. Fuck, it's deep. That is some philosophically deep shit. And it's also like, if you're not sad and, you, and you're listening to this song... It's just kind of like, do you want to go hard to the point of screaming <laughs> just because it's a Wednesday? Like, this is the song for you. I I have to be honest. I, I think, you know, now having finally, finally watched this movie, I feel like the movie maybe doesn't rise to the occasion of the song. Exactly. You know what I'm It really saying? doesn't. It doesn't because it's too convoluted. Too convoluted, but also, like, I guess maybe I thought the movie was going to be as gut-wrenching as the song. And it really is just kind of like a neo-noir. I mean, obviously, it's like a remake of Out of the Past, but it's that thing where I'm like, yeah, I just thought it was going to be, like, I don't know, something, like, much sadder and much more gut-wrenching. And it's yeah. because the song told us it would be! Yes! And the video, which Taylor Hackford also directed, um, the video for the song, which features so many moments from the film, you're like, oh, they're going to have like an epic, intense breakup. It's going to be heart-wrenching. And by the time it happens, you're like, oh, she just kind of gives in to being a rich fucking woman. Yeah. 
even at the end when that neon triangle shows up and then like all three characters are like at every corner every of the point. triangle. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Okay, this is something else that has to be said. This video is 80s perfection. <laughs> like a neon triangle rising above water. <laughs> what the, was everyone high in the 80s? Yes. What the fuck was going on in that video? But it is just Phil Collins just belting it out. And he's like, look, I know I have a receding hairline. I know you know me as the the drummer from Genesis. Here is where my fucking life is right now. Here is who I am as a man in the world. I am this guy. I'm heartbroken. I am sad. And I want you to know about it. Yeah, I'm wearing this giant blazer. Like a (laughs) giant blazer. Did you did, okay? I, I'm sure you thought this too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did you not think Phil Collins was like the oldest guy in the world when you were yes. a kid? When I was a kid watching this video and listening to this song, I'm like, he has to be 60. Yeah, I was like, this is like someone's dad, and he's a famous pop star. Yeah, and now I'm pretty sure we're older than he was in that Absolutely. era. <laughs> Absolutely. I would not be surprised if you're like, oh, he was like 36 when he wrote that song. <laughs> yeah. That that was like that whole, this whole movie, this whole song, Phil Collins, these were all things that I would just observe as a child and just right. imagine that this was what being an adult, an adult was. Like, I'd be like, yeah, this movie, adults listening to the song after a divorce, Phil Collins singing it. Like, I just was, like, so informed by all of these things. Because, of of course, we've talked about this. Like, we were obsessed with adulthood. We wanted to be older. We were always, like, you know, moving towards, like, older forms of entertainment. Like, movies that were not for kids and TV shows that weren't for kids. So, of course, this was, like, fucking catnip to me. I was, like, Phil Collins singing in a triangle with a, in a blazer with a receding hairline about some fucking two people on a beach making out. Like, I was like... I'm in. Sold. Also, Phil Collins in that blazer walked so that Steve Harvey and his blazers could fly. <laughs> I do not think it's a coincidence that both men ended up shaving their heads <laughs> and popping on those big bla- shoulder pad blazer- blazers. No, I just I just think that this song is so much better than the movie and it, it and it's more evocative of emotion than the movie actually gives us and yeah. it is a standalone hit for a reason. Yeah. Because it is an epic again, epic power ballad. I believe it dominates over all other power ballads and to me it's Phil Collins' best song. I think it is his best solo song. Yeah, we're not counting the one uh, Easy Lover. We can't count Easy Lover because it was a it was a duet. Because that song those is are, fucking unbelievable too. <laughs> absolutely, but those are the rules. Like yes. if solo, it's this duet. Of course, it's Easy Lover. Yes. Well, and that's that's an interesting concept too. And I think this is like both of our films, right? Is when the song becomes more than the movie, and that has right. happened many times. I mean, it's kind of that way with. The Bodyguard, it might be that way with Titanic, although I've never seen it, so don't get on my case. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes the song, like, becomes bigger and more everlasting than the movie that it's from. 
And then when you go back and you watch the movie that it's from, you're like, oh, this this is just okay. This is just an okay film. Yeah. You know? This is just passable compared to the emotion that I felt listening to these songs. Yeah. And, you know, and I gotta be honest, I mean, in this film, I mean, it has good bones, right? I mean, it's like a remake. It has, you know, original noir, you know, uh, actors. I mean, not just, you know, um, Jane Greer, but then Richard Widmark, who was a noir guy he he plays that weird character like her uncle like yeah which i'm like they introduced him and his whole storyline way later that it was too late and then i was and like he's like a henchman <laughs> i i didn't understand i didn't understand what this guy was about um Susie kurtz is in it and she ends up having a, a bigger role but when you first meet her you're like huh I yes just, yeah. yes it was all this like weird stuff that uh, you know the movie i guess maybe didn't didn't make a lot of sense for me, but you know, there were moments where again, like it was like Jeff Bridges looking extremely attractive and kind kind of the only thing I might remember about this movie, unfortunately, is is the song (laughs) and him being shirtless for no good reason. And just, you know, just running. Him shirtless and running. I'm like, that's enough. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. You've gone on to make incredible award-winning films. You're allowed to... Re- Speaking of relaxation, Jeff Bridges, you're allowed to relax and just have a fuck movie on the beach in Mexico. Absolutely. You deserve it. You deserve it. Uh, listen, Daniel, I mean, I am so fucking happy that I do a podcast with you about movies because you really do make me watch stuff that I have like not to say that I would have never seen a movie this movie because I did obviously have a curiosity to see it because it's just an 80s film but like yeah. I you you forced me to watch it finally and I'm actually happy that I did I'm glad I watched Good. it yeah and that makes me happy too I think it's I think it's the same like I am always introduced to things that I'm like oh I always meant to watch that or I'd heard about that and so like I've definitely seen Vision Quest but I def I also know that like you have introduced me to a wealth of films that I would otherwise um, not have watched or haven't watched yet. And it's just always, it's always fun. It's yeah. always fun. Well, when it and comes down to it, I feel like this. Phil Collins forced us to watch this movie. Truly. <laughs> Truly. Because the way the man's singing his damn heart out, I'm like, there's got to be something intense going on in this movie. And what is going on is Jeff Bridges is tan and shirtless. And we all need to know that that is part of his background He's not just True Grit. He's not just The Old Man. He's not just fucking Lebowski. He's this hot motherfucker running on a beach shirtless in goddamn Mexico. (laughs) And this fucking prime. Wow, dude. And he looks really tall in this movie. Like, I guess I never realized he was tall. Mm. He looks tall in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Look, you got to get on this, but this was this was a, a blast to do. I love these DJ Play My Motherfucking Song episodes. And... Our next our episode next week is it's something else. <laughs> I'm excited. This I do not a... know if people are going to guess this theme or not, but I cannot wait to see what they think the yeah, theme is. This is going to be a weird double feature if you sit down for both of them at the same time. But uh, damn, they're both good movies. So why the fuck not? Um, the movies for next week are Midnight Cowboy from 1969 and Beetlejuice from 1988. The fuck, but it's gonna like two great films. No idea how they're coming together. 
we'll Sometimes see. it doesn't hit me until we're doing this part of the show. Like, here are the movies next week where I'm like, I put myself in the position of the audience trying to guess the theme. And I hear Midnight Cowboy and Beetlejuice and I'm just spinning out. I don't know what the hell to think. <laughs> well, I love it. I, I love, love it. it. Too. I can't wait. I love it too. Listen, if you want to email us, if your name is Matthew Modine and you want to be on this podcast, we're if at you're Viking, saw- <laughs> your Viking Cruises and you want to sponsor us. That's right. Please email us at I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. And look, you can send us your questions for the bonus episodes, your shorter your shorter questions for the bonus episodes. Sometimes we read them on the main mm-hmm. when we have a guest. Uh, so send them in. And we have a P.O. box. If you want to send us handwritten letters, you can find it on um, the link tree on our Instagram where you can find the rest of our social media. Uh, we are at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, yes, yes. Danielle, as always, a fucking pleasure to do this podcast with you. Ha! That's your 80s power ballad about our podcast. We should make one. We should get we should totally make one. Listen, we can get Casey on that in in five seconds. I think he would be thrilled. <laughs> our producer can do anything. He'll be <laughs> so the he'll be the jelly bean. Like Madonna's producer for Crazy Free will be like the our jelly bean and he'll just like make a power ballad for us. You're like, uh small request, Casey. Become jelly bean Benitez. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> real quick Uh, until next week see you soon bye this has been an exactly right production produced and mixed by Casey O'Brien our theme song is by Tom Bryfogel artwork by Garrett Ross our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart Karen Kilgariff and Daniel Kramer you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I saw pod and you can email us at I saw what you did pod at gmail. Follow I saw what you did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I saw what you did merch.